0: The Black Women's Wellness Podcast. I'm Deja Love, and this is a podcast where we amplify Black women's voices as we discuss ways to manage stress and maintain our well being. We want to ensure that Black women live productive, meaningful, and robust lives unhinged by stress. The goal of this podcast is not to perpetuate the myth of perfection but progress by engaging in conversations with the diversity of Black women and hear their stories on how they keep wellness and manage stress. This is an authentic podcast by authentic women. We are excited that you are listening to our episode. So sit back, listen, comment, subscribe, and share this podcast. Today, I am excited because this is our first solo episode. You heard that right. <laughs> Today, I am not joined by a guest, but it's just me, DJ, And I'm excited. I say this every time. And I say that every time. I'm excited to get into this episode, a topic that I've been seeing and really reflective on. And I want to dive deep into it. Our topic in this first solo episode is the lack of compassion, sensitivity, and grace that I'm seeing in Black people, and more specifically, this emergence of Black folks who are ideologically white. Stay with me here. I want to dive into this topic And I know it's highly polarizing. I know there are many people that are gonna challenge and push back, but I invite you to hold space. I invite you to reflect on why is this activating you? What's challenging you about the topic? And really do some introspection, some deep work of are you seeing yourself reflected in the topic? Are you realizing that you have embodied this behavior? And so, The goal of going into this topic, it's not to solve or address it. We won't solve or address the lack of compassion and grace and sensitivity that I'm seeing in Black people because of the internalized white ideology. We're not gonna solve that, but the goal is to start a conversation, to open a dialogue. And I am really excited to invite our listeners to comment. To resonate, I, I anticipate there, there will be a lot of pushback and I I welcome it. I welcome respectful dialogue and discussion. I also want to address this topic because we're I'm seeing that we're becoming desensitized to how we treat other black people. And so stay with me. Let's breathe as we get into this topic. And I wanna share that as a small business owner and as a black woman who has chosen to show up as unapologetically black in all spaces, and knowing that sometimes that's gonna come as a sacrifice that in white spaces, I'm not here to make white folks feel comfortable. We've done that for decades. I am here to challenge white people and I'm here to hold space for black women and our wellness. I've observed in just my own experiences as a business owner, this interesting dynamic of this lack of compassion and sensitivity and grace in Black people and this emergence of Black folks who are ideologically white. It's a lot to unpack here, but keep with me. In my circle of influence and where I occupy, I'm seeing a lot of this of Black women who are deep and still in the sunken place, who assimilated, and their standard operating procedure is that assimilation. And what's more dangerous than Black women who are ideologically white is that there's a perpetrating and perpetuating that same internalized white ideology onto other Black women who are not in the sunken place. Women like me and many of us who are doing the deep self work, the therapy, introspection, meditation, Reiki providers, prayer, all of the things to promote our wellness. And it's really met with opposition from those who are still in the sunken place who are ideologically white. And that you know, we can no longer choose this complicity and this silence. And I'm going to get into what does that mean, Black folks who are ide- ideologically white? What does that look like, Black folks who are ideologically white? How does that manifest? And then how we can navigate to maintain our wellness. So I'm going to be unpacking all of that. And I really hope that you bring an open mind and really listening to this conversation that is not unique to me. I've been hearing it, but I also haven't seen it mainstream in the narrative. I haven't heard it explicitly named. And that's the goal of this conversation. That as I'm meeting black folks who are still in the sunken place and that they adopt this ethos of whiteness and how damaging that is. And let me describe when I talk about Black folks who are ideologically white, and I want to keep repeating that because we need to really name that, name that behavior. What I view is that these are Black people who have internalized white beliefs, customs, the tactics, the strategy that have been used to suppress us that then perpetuate that. And so this may look like Black people telling others, you know, you're too much, you're too difficult, you're not showing up professional. Again, adopting that same white supremacist ideology. Black people showing this to other Black people. And some of these Black people will tell you, you know, you're too much. You're, 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 you're being a little too, too aggressive. The same terms that have been used for us And this also, there are many examples of what this internalized white ideology is. You know, let's look at most recent, the five officers that murdered Tyree Nichols. We think about Clarence Thomas, he's always a shiny example of black folks who embody white ideology. Those are examples. But then for me personally, how this has manifested has been colleagues, has been in places as I volunteered on boards, as I volunteer at museums, that as I meet other small business owners who, and I'll talk more about the lacking of grace and sensitivity, but who personally, you you know, when there's, I think about when I previously and let me backtrack so before being a small business owner and when I worked as an employee across all the sectors specifically when I worked in private sector one of the only few black folks but there was a handful so it wasn't one or two but there are a few handfuls but still outnumbered the majority were white in this in private sector and that's pretty common is that this white ideology that's been internalized and embodied by blackness looks like those few black people not coming to your, not showing up for you, not truly unifying and them seeing you, but them wanting to protect their jobs, them wanting to protect themselves and their safety and advance in the corporate system. Seeing that you were choosing to not assimilate, still doing your work, showing up, doing the things that you do, but not making white people comfortable, and that is an example of what Black folks who are ideologically white look like, that you know that there's only a few of y'all. And rather than being collective and partnering, there's a choosing to be distant. And the challenge with that, as we connect the dots of how that impacts wellness, is that then you're isolated. As me, when I was the, the Black person who chose not to embody and to internalize white ideology, I was isolated. I didn't have any support. There were Black people there. None of them supported me because they didn't want to risk their job. They didn't want to risk their safety. And this is the most dangerous. We had a podcast who previously talked about how the toxicity of the nonprofit sector is for Black women and how dangerous white women are. Here's another danger, and I don't know if we had to hierarch if one is more dangerous than the other, but Black people who are ideologically white are deadly, are dangerous, because they're in these spaces, and it always hurts more when it's a Black person. We're not a monolith. We're not assuming that we're all the same, but there is a connection of trying to think that there's a kinship. And then when that person upholds the same ideas. You're not working hard enough. You're lazy. You're not putting in 60 hours of work. That is how that shows up, this white ideology that's manifested in Black bodies. And the connection you know, to this lack of compassion, this lack of sensitivity, is that we often, we don't accept Black difference. That though we know that we are not a monolith and there's such diversity amongst Black folks, is that when it deviates from our own notion of what Blackness is, then we show this lack of compassion and this lack of sensitivity and grace and kindness. You know, I think of just personally, you know, we're still operating in a pandemic, despite this administration and folks wanting to say we're at endemic. Folks are still getting COVID. We're still having hospitalizations. There's still vast disparities in terms of outcomes and access to health care. We're still operating in challenges. And so uh, my experience has been a lot of Black people just being, and I'll go into this in detail, but when you think about the challenges of being a small business owner and folks not understanding the immense amount of stress and pressure. You know, when you're an employee and I'm not at all pitting one against, it is challenging. And I've had people, you know, say to me, well, you're just, you know, it's just not that hard. We're all going through things. No, we're not all going through the same things. And that just by saying that is emblematic of a lack of kindness and compassion that essentially that saying, well, we're out of this pandemic. And I'm putting that in quotes because we're still actively in this pandemic. So you should just be fine. No, we're still all recovering and working through the immense trauma that this pandemic has been for a lot of us. And a lot of that deepness, and and I hold grace as I'm saying this, I am not at all, hear me, trying to be divisive and trying to not hold space and show grace for Black folks who are still deep in the sunken place. But what I am saying is it's dangerous. And we have to be able to learn how to navigate these treacherous waters of Black folks who are ideologically white because it's incredibly dangerous. And it's dangerous because these are black people. Sometimes you may let down your guard. When it's whiteness or it's folks of color that are white adjacent, I'm immediately, defense mechanisms are up. I'm like reading the room, I'm reading the tea leaves. I'm saying, okay, this is discerning of how I navigate. But I will personally, sometimes I let my guard down. Oh, sis, it's another black woman, great. But then, there's been many Black folks who view business ownership as competition, as not as partnership. You know, I think about, let's think of Greenwood and Tulsa and Black Wall Street, where it was a self-sustaining community. It's a movie theater, there was skating rinks, schools, law firms, a robust Black community that the Black dollar was circulated. And it was thriving, of course, until white supremacy viewed it as threatening and burned it down, is that we, in this new emergence as post-2020, we've seen the highest number of Black women business owners where we could truly collectively partner and go further. We're not always, because of that ideology of white supremacy of, I have to get this for me and I don't want that for you, versus if one of us is winning, we're all winning. And, and that's something that in the Black Women's Wellness Agency, I'm really proud of the fact that we've methodically been hiring Black women business owners and Black business owners because we really want to advance their businesses, continue to have the dollar circulate. And it's really tough because I've been met with a lot of the dangerousness of the Black folks who are ideologically white. Who lack grace and sensitivity and kindness, and it's you know this can manifest and look in many different ways. This can manifest, and and sometimes this is a challenging notion. Family members, family members can adopt the same ideology of this white supremacist approach. Family members not respecting boundaries, you know, and this is you know family members that share your same DNA, your last name, you didn't choose them. And it can be, you know, a mother telling us, well, you're not showing up for me, is what this looks like. You know, granddaughter, you're not, you know, you should be doing this. You should be doing this. Misogyny and patriarchy still show up in our families unless we challenge them and truly create different patterns to end the generational cycles of trauma and toxicity. And that's that's provocative notion. We don't want to accept that that's happening in our families, but it shows up nonetheless. And that when you put your boundaries, sometimes there's the splintering and the rupturing of our families because we don't accept autonomy and own personhood. It's we're to be an extension of our family versus own independent beings. And that's, that, that's toxic. And that's really incredibly challenging. This can look like friends you know this blackness that's in the sunken place that's embodying white ideology of saying well we're again we're all going through challenges you know why why are you you still going through this I thought this would have been different well why don't you have grace and kindness for me that I'm going through a challenge that yes though I'm doing all the work it's still a challenge and those folks just leaving and maybe you know that's the uh, You know, there's the organicness of sometimes it's good that folks can organically, the severing, leaving out of your life. But it's tough because we need community. And when your community doesn't show up for you, when folks say things, if you're just too much, you're too dramatic, you're doing the most and not really rallying around you to to support. You know, and I said a lot. (laughs) And I want to breathe because I know a lot of folks may say, but you're you're, you're still not telling me what this is. Well, let me sit back. I think, you know, I've been searching for a therapist. Let me really be transparent and share my experience and and specifically searching searching for a Black therapist. And it's been challenging because the Great Resignation has impacted therapeutic care, that there have been many therapists that have left practice. And so we have a workforce shortage of Black therapists. And then there's been many new therapists coming into the practice who are not as experienced, who are not in therapy themselves, but are therapists. Paradox. And often when we challenge that, you know, I I met with just the other day a therapist, Black woman. And when she questioned, she asked me questions. And I said, you know, you're not allowing me to share my experience. You're cutting me off. And this Black therapist said, I'm, I am projecting, you know, weaponized the therapeutic term, said I'm projecting, saying that I, that she doesn't feel safe in a teletherapy session, and did not want to hold space in, in the fact that as a therapist, you are sworn to do no harm. You are ethically held to a responsibility. And this is not a unique experience. You know, this is ubiquitous, you know, and sharing that experience of this therapist that just did not want to provide therapy. And the mere fact that I dare advocate for myself and challenge for what I needed, this therapist did not like that. This Black woman therapist did not like that and used all of these terms to make it seem that as if I was doing the wrong thing when I wasn't. We have to navigate this medical racist healthcare system And the black folks who are complicit in that, you know, that's an example. So this through line as I'm connecting is, and and I'm seeing this, this is ubiquitous and I'm not seeing people naming it, but it is, it manifests all the time, all the time. It's showing up in every space and we don't talk about it. We're not questioning it. We're not challenging it. And And I just want to be clear that my goal in saying this is not to be divisive. It is not to segment, you know, to pit different groups. The goal is to amplify that this behavior, it negatively impacts our wellness and black women's wellness. That, you know, it really can be challenging when you're seeing other Black women, business owners, who are also in the space of wellness, who are also in the space of health equity, but they don't really embody that, and they treat us just in the same whiteness, you know, not really showing grace and kindness and understanding that Black people, we don't always have the same access to the same capital and the resources And that sometimes things are gonna be a little bit different for us. And that's not scarcity. That's not a scarcity mindset. That's a pragmatic reality. That statistically, when you think about access to capital, black folks, it's like less than 2% we have access to venture capitalist funding or angel investors or just seed funding. That yes, there are all these grants out for black owned businesses. They're highly competitive. And they're funding them at such small rates. Those who are awarded them, it's a small percentage of the population. And so I just want to breathe here because this really has an impact on, you know, when you're met with blackness that is ideologically white, you can feel isolated. You can feel excluded. You don't have the same support and you don't have the same community. And that can lead to, let's look at it from a public health perspective. We are at an all time, the national average for rates of anxiety, depression, and death by suicide are at the highest that we have seen. And it's really the the dangerousness of not being able to have community, and people to show up for you that are truly, that have the same ethos, that have the same ethos of showing kindness. And a lot of it, you know, I don't wanna, it's not a panacea, it's a lot of us are not in therapy, understandably. It's a challenge as for all the reasons i articulated, not having black therapists, we don't all have insurance and that's a challenging in and of itself. And so it's really tough when we're not doing the introspection that we all have trauma, especially those of us who are ancestry. It's tied to a transatlantic middle passage where we had that PTSD, compounded by a pandemic, compounded by familial trauma that often is unaddressed, that can manifest itself in outburst. You know, I was listening to Amanda Seals' podcast. And she made the point that one of the studies, and and, uh, I think a black woman psychologist, was saying that for black women, trauma can manifest and anxiety can manifest in what is perceived as black women. And I'm doing quotes, moodiness. I'm doing quotes because that is a stereotypical notion of reject that. Black women who are attitudinal, rejecting that. That that is emblematic of anxiety and trauma and other mental imbalances, that we don't show grace and kindness. You know, we don't, sometimes our Black men are not supporting of us. Do not come to our aid, but perpetuate that same toxic trope. You're just an angry Black woman. You're a Black woman that has too much attitude. You need to be checked. You need to be put in your place. How often are we hearing that? That is rooted in misogynoir. Misogyny, patriarchy, embodied by Blackness. And I am not, again, I'm repeating myself. The goal of this is I'm not trying to be divisive, but we need to start this dialogue and talking about not all Black people have our best interests at hand. Not all Black women are for Black women. Not all Black spaces are safe spaces and that we need to discern. And I'm doing this in my own life. I'm not at all projecting this into you. I'm learning this and discerning. And that can be own family members, own friends. That if we're going through hard times and you're mad, sis, that I'm not showing up for an event that I said I would, but the stress and the anxiety is getting to me and I need to hold space for my own rest and community care, and you're mad, and then now you're saying, well, you're flaky. You don't show up. You're not dependable. Again, white ideology that has been internalized and perpetrated, and it's cyclical. That's what that looks like. A lot of people always challenge and will say, oh, well, you're reaching. No, we're not reaching. We're not reaching. We're not. That's not a reach. That's being in tune and going deeper and saying, well, why are you assuming that? Let's go deep. Why is that the assumption? Why is it that we can't be sensitive and know that trauma doesn't always have this nice, neat package ending and start point? It can manifest when you think years later you've dealt with something and you've managed it in therapy, you've talked it out, you've had your Reiki provider, you've had meditation, you've done all the robust wellness strategies, and yet it can manifest and I think it's, it's really interesting because, you know, I've spoken to one of my mentors and I was even, I know I'm going to talk about Amanda because I really, I love her podcast. I saw her a couple weeks ago. She was in D.C. at George Washington University for Black History Month. She was doing the, the keynote address. And she mentioned that she's, her area of opportunity is to prioritize her wellness and and, and and my one of my mentors has mentioned that that wellness, that that is not the focus, but the revenue, the project goals, all the things, but the wellness isn't. And that's something that certainly with the Black Women's Wellness Podcast, we want to amplify that that is our priority, that has to be that we have to center it the same way we center our professional development goals, the same way we put on our calendar events and movies and brunches and dinners, the same way wellness has to be prioritized. And that can look like in the afternoon, I'm gonna go out for a walk. That can look like I'm gonna go on to do this yoga class in the community. That can look like I'm not gonna get on social, but I'm going to send, I'm gonna spend 15 minutes in silence. Focusing on my breath, connecting, getting out of my head and the mental fluctuations and getting back into my body. These are some of the wellness strategies. And I know I know y'all are going to say, DJ, you just went on a rant. It's not a rant. It's to spark and start a discussion about this lack of compassion and grace and sensitivity that I'm personally experiencing and seeing amongst Black people, and then the deeper, the white ideology that's that's embodied that I'm seeing. You know, there's so many examples of that. There's so many. And it's really, you know, the question is, how do we manage this trauma? How do we, what What does this wellness look like? Well, it looks like continuing to be authentic and true to you, continuing to be led by, and I know a lot of people say this is woo-woo, but your gut, your internal, that internal, soft, still, quiet voice that says, oh, no, this isn't right. That person, mm, you just get this uneasy. That's an energetic feeling that. Energy is telling you, no, you spirit is something is telling you that that's not great in alignment. So staying true to your authenticity, that sometimes and often that being true and authentically who you are, that is going to come at a cost. That is going to take a risk that you are going to lose some business partners. You're going to lose friends. Your own family members may will not appreciate and respect that. And being true to you, yourself in that, knowing that that's the cost. And that's hard because once you start seeing the trickle off of friends and family and maybe some business and partners, you're going to maybe feel, ooh, I need a change. No, we don't need to assimilate. We need Black people to rise up and to be truthful and to be true, to support Black people. You know, I think about, I had a... a, a community member. I don't even want to use the friend term loosely, but someone that we occupied the same circle. And when I was going through a challenging, stressful time, and maybe I wasn't as soft and as kind, wasn't nasty, but it was very direct and to the point in my communication, this person hit me up and messaged me and said, well, you know, you're just not being nice. I'm protective of my friends. Didn't want to protect me as a friend, but said, I'm going to protect this black man. But I'm not going to protect you, Black woman. I'm just going to come at you. I'm not going to show kindness. I'm not going to give you the benefit of the doubt and say, wow, you lost three family members in one year. You were laid off from your job. You had all these things happen. But I'm not going to show grace. I'm going to say, well, we're all going through challenging." No, we're not. We're not all going through challenges. We do not all experience the same thing. And that's tough. One of them there's not a solution, there's not a simple fix. It's really the multifaceted, the in tandem multiple things is seeking out community and people that have a critical consciousness, that challenge these systems of oppression, even in Black communities. And I know there are going to be the academics that are going to say, oh, Black people can't oppress other Black people. I'm not talking about that. That's not what this is. But what this is, is it is damaging and is dangerous when we internalize white ideology and then we project that onto other Black people and we expect that to be the norm. Nope, there are many of us that are not expecting that to be the norm. That is not the norm. And so we have to recognize when this is happening and that takes us sacrificing and saying, I need to really do some inner work so I can start being in tune, so I can recognize. And this this won't resonate and land for some and that's fine because we are all on the journey. We are all on the journey. Some of us are gonna stay in the sunken place. Some of us are getting out of that sunken place and are doing therapy and doing all the work and all the different wellness and healing and liberation tools to really understand our role, take ownership, but then also being able to clearly see when there's un, when there's not an alignment of folks who are still in that place. It can't be in community because and protecting your own wellness, your own energy. There has to be a distance that I can still have love and kindness and respect and still embody the dynamic that I respect you, sis. I will still support you from a distance because I can't be in community with that because that that does me harm and that challenges my own wellness. Yeah, I'm shaking my head because there's a lot here, you know, and there's again, we can't unpack this in one podcast episode it's starting the discussion it's starting the dialogue of how we're seeing white ideology manifested in black people who are lacking kindness and sensitivity many examples that we're seeing in current events and it's for me you know i've chosen to divest from that and, and not even a, I've chosen to, but it's organically happened that as I'm evolving, as I'm stepping into my own authenticity, the people in my community, I'm talking about Black people because whiteness, mm -mm, I'm just, nope, nope, nope. Even if you're funding things, then maybe we're not partners because I'm not here to make you feel comfortable whiteness at all. No, but it's, I'm seeing community and, and folks just leave, just not show up. You know, that if I'm not stoking the fire and that analogy, it just falls off and that's happening because i think there there has to be a give and take from both sides you know and it's, and i'm not saying that it's always going to be parity you know sometimes you're going to give more sometimes others but it it still has to be a collective that you know i think about many of my friends during this pandemic have challenged their Parents, family members have been hospitalized, passed away, have been sick, have lost jobs, housing insecure, income insecure, no health insurance. No, and, and I'm constantly calling and checking in, knowing that I want to pour into them because right now they're in a season that they can't do that. And that's fine. And then seeing that sometimes if I'm in a season that those same friends may pour into me when I'm in a season that I, that, that I can't. And it's, you know, I feel better. You know, it's tough because it's, it's a path, it's a trajectory where there will be isolation because of me choosing intentionally to divest from black folks who are ideologically white, that that's gonna, that's gonna sever a portion of the population and, and that's a choice that I'm making. And many will criticize and I welcome that. I welcome the critique we we can respectfully disagree. We're not a monolith as Black people, that there's a diversity of perspective, and the duality can exist. It's, I wanted to have this conversation. Maybe this won't land for many, and that's fine. But having this conversation about what that looks like, what that looks like as I'm seeing this lack of compassion, and sensitivity and grace. And I'm repeating myself so you can hear, so it can resonate. Maybe it plants a seed, maybe it sparks you to think a little bit deeper and to say, oh, wow, so that's what that was. So yeah, there did. This is the topic, (laughs) you know, and as, you know, I close and last words, I welcome and would love to hear how this episode resonates in the comments, on our social media, on our website. I would love others to chime in on this topic, that as we will pivot this to our platforms today, I know it's a challenging topic that many are going to feel multiple ways. And and I invite you to feel your feelings. Your feelings are valid and, and many different perspectives can exist. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Black Women's Wellness Podcast. Continue to listen to our upcoming bi-weekly episodes. Subscribe, like, follow, and connect with us on our website, the, T-H-E-B-W-W-A.com. We hope that you share, you comment, You circulate this episode with your friends and fam, stressed, who are burnt out, who are overwhelmed. We invite you to donate to the Black Women's Wellness Agency on our website at www.thebwwa.com backslash about... B-W-W-A. You can click on the donate button. We love engaging with our community. We want to hear from you. Let us know. You can follow us on our handle across all of our social media, the T-H-E-B-W-W-A-I-N-C. And until next time, stay well and remember our wellness is infinite.